Hello and welcome back to the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. This is the podcast where we remind ourselves that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. This is the Scattered Abroad Network. This is Season 7, Episode 2. We're certainly thankful to you, the listener, for tuning in once again. And we certainly appreciate the Scattered Abroad Network, all the various podcasts that we have, all the various hosts, and those who work with us behind the scenes as well. Again, we have Hasten Handley with us this week, uh, like he was last week. We appreciate all his work behind the scenes with the Scattered Abroad Network. And uh, we also appreciate the Memphis School of Preaching, who has uh, agreed to take on the work of the Scattered Abroad Network. We appreciate uh, the Memphis School of Preaching so much. Learned so much while I was there. Uh, if you ever have thought about going into preaching, I highly recommend uh, checking out the Memphis School of Preaching. Check out msop.org. Haston, I appreciate you uh, joining us again for this week. This week we're looking at the topic, Struggling with Complacency, uh, as it pertains to The Struggle is Real. So, uh, Haston, first off, let's define our terms, if you will, complacency. Uh, what do you have there? Webster's uh, Dictionary defines it as the feeling of smug or uncritical satisfaction with oneself or one's achievement. Uh, it's also called smugness, self-satisfaction, self-approval, or self-admiration. It is a lazy man's pride is the best way I've always kind of considered it. That idea of, oh, I've done enough. Uh, I have reached my goal of achieving everything I could imagine, so I'm going to be happy with it. But all the while, having lived a subpar or maybe even mediocre life, and it's the idea that I don't want to do anything else. Um, I, I haven't done much, but it's what I've done and somebody else can do it, or even yet, the idea uh, that has affected many congregations today, that idea of somebody else will take care of it. I've already done my part, and it always gets done. It doesn't matter if I'm doing it or not. So I'm just not going to do anything. Yeah, that's a great way to put that. Uh, I think that really these first two episodes, you know, what we talked about last week with lack of growth, and then this episode on complacency, I think they really go hand in hand. And uh, unfortunately, if someone is not growing uh, as a Christian, as we said last week, then that by default means that they're regressing. Uh, they are perhaps not putting in the effort that maybe they once did, etc. cetera. Uh, I think of some other ways of saying this uh, include uh, various sayings such as riding on the coattails of others. I've heard it said that way, uh, resting on the laurels of one's parents or or what have you. Also, another way of putting it would be really lukewarmness. And, uh, you know, Jesus was so sick uh, with the lukewarm church in uh, Laodicea, Revelation chapter 3. You know, he described being physically sick uh, because they were lukewarm. They were complacent. They were neither here nor there, so to speak. And I think that this is a major problem uh, if we find ourselves in this condition as Christians. So now that we've defined our term, in what ways do Christians show complacency in their Christian walk? 
the mindset of I know enough, so I'm not going to study anymore. The mindset of I've worked hard enough, so I'm just going to stop. Uh, one thing that has always bothered me is that mindset of Christians saying that they're retired. I don't care if you retire from secular work. That's great if you can do that. But there is no retirement this side of eternity for the Christian. Um, Paul said he fought a good fight. He had finished his course. He had kept the faith. He didn't say, after 20 years of loyal service, I stepped down and have just kind of been coasting until my death. He kept working. He kept seeking to be faithful. When we fall into complacency, which it is something that anyone can fall into, we have reached the point where we no longer want to better ourselves. We go back to last week's episode. We no longer want to grow anymore, but we're just going to casually sit down and, and grow old and grow slow. And truthfully, complacency is one of the main reasons that it's said of many congregations, 10% of the congregation is doing 90% of the work because other Christians have become complacent. Yep, they've, uh, they've checked out, so to speak. I'm reminded of uh, Titus chapter 2, one of my favorite passages. I love to preach from Titus chapter 2. You know, Paul tells Titus, hey, you need to speak authoritatively to these things. You need to speak the things that are proper for sound doctrine. At the end of the chapter, he talks about how, uh, verse 15, speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Why? Because if you read Titus chapter 2, there are some difficult things in that chapter that a faithful preacher has to cover. And one of those things is the older Christians, uh, the older Christian men need to teach the younger Christian men certain things. And the older Christian ladies need to teach the younger Christian ladies certain things that pertain to godliness. Like you said, you can't retire from the Lord's work. Uh, and it is so important that the older Christians teach the younger Christians. I'm, a, I'm afraid that one of the manifold problems that we see in a lot of places is that's not taking place. And we have this problem, you know, the age gap or whatever you want to call it, um, where it seems like we we expect the young people to, to only be around the young people. We expect the older people to have their their gatherings for them and and then the the middle age folks are with themselves. And we don't have enough mixing in between the younger and the older, and we don't have enough mentoring between the older and the younger. And I think that's a huge part of the problem of why we end up seeing a lot of young people leave the faith. They're not being mentored. And of course, uh, other factors go into it as well, such as uh, parenting practices that are not leading their their children and, and nourishing nurturing them up in the in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and whatnot, but this is a big deal. So complacency, um, growing weary in well-doing to the point that we, we just mail it in. We, we stop, stop growing like we talked about last week and we become comfortable. 
I'm reminded of, I think it's Amos chapter six, where Amos had to preach in days of old, woe to those who are at ease in Zion. And sometimes when I preach through that passage, I remind the congregation, who is Zion today? The church. You know, Zion is kind of like a synonym for God's kingdom, the church. And so woe to those who are at ease in Zion. Woe, woe to those who are uh, resting on their laurels, who are complacent, who are, and Amos describes it as, you know, laying on their beds of ivory, etc., and not getting to work in the Lord's kingdom. So would we say that complacency then, that's kind of a long introduction, but would we say that complacency is a sin? Truthfully, I would say yes. Just uh, the descriptions that we have, specifically the word complacent, is used four times in the ESV, one time in the New King James Version, and a synonym of it is used six times in the book of Proverbs alone in the King James Version of being a sluggard. That is lazy. That is someone who isn't working. That is, you know, a slug. Well, all of those times, it's given a direct connotation of something that is negative. Someone who is about to have judgment brought down upon them or is drastically being encouraged to change their ways. If we continue to be complacent, if we continue to just let the world go by and we will just sit in our easy chair and say, I've done enough then truthfully, we are openly neglecting many commandments. Uh, you were discussing older, teaching younger. If we are not doing that, then we are clearly avoiding a command that we've been given, uh, an entire generational command. You know, I am 27 years old right now. I love spending time around older people. Because I get to learn from their life experience. I get to learn things the quote-unquote easy way because they had to learn them the hard way. But there's so many in the church today, and there's so many in the world today, that will say, well, I don't want to teach somebody because I had to find out the hard way, so why should I make it any easier on them? And what's sad is that's what I've heard. Christians say to me about uh, bringing in a younger person to learn how to teach Bible class with them. Uh, is it a sin? Yes, because we are neglecting the work of the church. We're standing many times in open opposition of the work of the church because we're not doing anything. And when we're not doing anything, then we leave the door wide open for like I discussed last week for a few minutes, that idea of becoming stagnant, that idea of reaching a certain point and we just stop. We discussed uh, bodily exercise profits little last week. The truth is, is faithfulness, obedience, and knowledge, and all of those things are just like any muscle in our body. If we use them so much and they get big and they get strong, that's wonderful. But if we stop using them, they shrink and they shrink. And then we're just a, a shell of what we used to be. 
if we don't live faithfully, if we live complacent lives as Christians, it doesn't matter what we once were. The only thing that matters is what we become. Uh, I'm uh, reminded of several there mentioned in First and Second Timothy about they had left the faith. Their names are slipping my mind at the moment, but they once were faithful. They once were uh, uh, standing up and teaching, but they had left the faith. They had turned away. Uh, even the Apostle Paul in Second Timothy says that effectively they were marked because of their unfaithfulness. Amenaeus and Alexander. Alexander, thank you. And uh, and Demas in Second Timothy. Yeah, uh, he left having loved this present world. So, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, complacency is a huge problem that does, you know, the end the end result of complacency often is people who just fall off the wagon totally, so to speak. Um, I think that a byproduct of complacency, or, or rather I think complacency is sometimes a byproduct of having things so good physically, uh, lives of luxury, lives of affluence, that we become way too comfortable. And kind of goes back to pride like we talked about last week. In our pride, we think, oh, I've got it all. I've got everything I need. And oftentimes that leads to complacency and leads to uh, inaction. So what are some verses that can help us if we do find ourselves struggling with complacency? Some that I have are people that were complacent to begin with or were so shocked by something that they had the opportunity to become complacent, but really kind of came out of it. Uh, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. Isaiah chapter 6 is that picture of Isaiah being called to be a prophet. And verse 5, he says, Woe unto me, for I am a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. He says, I don't deserve to be having this vision of God. But verse 8, it says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah could have easily just kept his mouth shut. Or said, well, I've done enough so far. I'm, I'm okay. But he says, then said I, here am I, send me. There is plenty of work that needs to be done around the local congregation, around the church as a whole. Be the one that's determined to go out and to do it. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, beginning. Jeremiah said, uh, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart as a fire or burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, holding it up, keeping it back. And I could not stay. We usually stop there, but it helps us to keep going. Verse 10, for I heard the defaming of many. Fear on every side. Report, they said, and we will report it. All my familiars watched uh, for my halting, waiting for him to stop, saying, Maybe, peradventure, he will be enticed, and we shall prevail against him, and we shall take our revenge on him. That mindset of, he's been against us for so long, 
maybe we can finally win him over. But the Lord is with me, verse 11, uh, as a mighty, terrible one, a fiercely strong one. Therefore, my persecutor shall stumble. He could have stopped, but he didn't. He could have fallen in with the crowd, but he didn't. He said, they shall not prevail. They should be ashamed. Verse uh, Hebrews 13 and verse 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have, which could lead to complacency. But we have to remember this last part for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, which goes right into that beautiful command in Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even into the end of the world. Then there's 2 Timothy 4. If we want an example of somebody not being complacent, not saying, I've done enough, you go to a man who traveled so far, preached for so long, was imprisoned for a long time, and was beaten really bad. You go to Paul. He says, I'm not ashamed, uh, rather, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. Notice he says that after he says, I'm ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. He's saying, I am on the cusp of dying. Now I can say, I've finished my course. He says, therefore, henceforth, because of the previous stated thing. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. And you can't forget Revelation 2.10. We oftentimes just skip to the end, but we have to remember for a moment, Christ is talking to a church enduring persecution and preparing them for this, do not fear any of, uh, of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. That's not a, a maybe, that a, that's a he is. That you may be tested. And you will have tribulation, ten days, persecution, difficult times for a set period. Be thou faithful until death. The King James says unto death. And I will give unto you the crown of life. There is the retirement plan, being faithful unto death. In the face of death, if you are about to be beheaded for the cause of Christ, be faithful, and you will receive that reward. But if uh, we aren't faithful, if we back away, if we stop doing these things, then we don't receive that reward. Great summary. I've got uh, just one more passage that I, I think would be good to mention as well. It's also in Revelation, Revelation 3, uh, dealing with that church at Laodicea, uh, the lukewarm, complacent church, uh, beginning in verse number 17. It says uh, to Laodicea, because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. And that, co that goes back to the pride we talked about and the life of luxury, affluence, because you say that I'm rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are, you know, in actuality, wretched, miserable, 
poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. Of course, he's, you know, Jesus is talking about spiritual riches. And then he says, in white garments, pure garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Uh, Laodicea was famous for an eye balm that was for uh, eye injuries and whatnot. And uh, he's telling them, look, you need to anoint yourself in this manner so that you can see spiritually. And then he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. The key to uh, overcoming complacency and just sitting around, letting somebody else do what what we should be doing, etc., is we need to be zealous. We need to be on fire for the Lord again, and we need to repent of the sin of complacency. And then finally, verse number 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Of course, that verse has been vastly misapplied uh, in the denominational world. Jesus is speaking to Christians there. This is not uh, an example of the sinner's prayer. This is, hey, Christians who have become complacent. I'm standing here. I'm knocking on your door. I'm I'm hoping that you will come back to me and be faithful to me again. So uh, that kind of summarizes what we wanted to cover, uh, I think, on the sin of complacency. And uh, the struggle is real. We all find ourselves at some point or another becoming complacent. But we need to make sure that we're zealous when we are com- when we are complacent, that we repent of that, and we we move forward and we keep working for the Lord. Any final thoughts, Hasten, before we uh, wrap this episode up? Just we have to be careful and keep keep working, keep plucking along, and keep taking it one day at a time and one one goal and one work at a time so that we can continue to be faithful, be productive, and being fruitful. Absolutely. This is the Everyday Christian Podcast. Every day, one day at a time, hopefully we're going to keep growing in the Lord. We appreciate appreciate you, Haston, for helping us out with another episode, and we appreciate you, the listener, for tuning in to this episode of the Everyday Christian Podcast. Again, this is Season 7, Episode 2. Lord willing, we will have Haston with us one more week next week as we discuss struggling with pessimism. So tune in next week for that discussion on the Everyday Christian Podcast.